Mother's Day is around the corner. Find the perfect gift for the mom in your life with a stunning piece of jewelry from Blue Nile. From timeless pearls to dazzling gemstones, Blue Nile has something she'll adore. Need it fast? Most items can ship overnight. Plus, enjoy guaranteed free shipping and returns. Don't miss our special Mother's Day deals. Save big on the season's most beautiful trends. For a limited time, get up to 50% off by going to BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. Why take one vacation with the family when you could take all of them? With Royal Caribbean, you don't just go to the beach. You visit a private island and race down the tallest water slide in North America. You don't just go for a road trip. You ATV and zip line through the jungle. You don't just go somewhere new. You rappel down waterfalls and discover ancient temples. Because this isn't just any vacation. This is all the vacations. Come seek the Royal Caribbean. Ships Registry, Bahamas. Houston, we have a podcast. You're listening to the Premier Rockets Podcast. It's H-Town Hoops. Hosted by Brandon Scott and Adam Spolane. That is right. It is the H-Town Hoops Podcast. Brandon Scott, Adam Spillane, Austin Mendez producing this bad boy behind the scenes for us. We appreciate you and appreciate all of you guys for joining us. And in this episode, we're going to get into a little bit of a progress report on some of the key players, the younger players on the team. Obviously, the team looks a little bit different now after the trade deadline, which we have discussed now in previous episodes. But we're going to go one by one on some of the more important players on this team, some folks that we figure to be part of the future and development, but at the very least are part of the present right now with this team, the Rockets being the worst team in the NBA. But before we do, I think it is instructive for us to revisit or I guess on this podcast, visit for the first time. We've all probably discussed it on the Internet or amongst ourselves. But Kenny Smith, former Rocket two-time NBA champion with the Rockets, now long-time, 20-plus years now, uh, NBA analyst for for TNT, came out in what I guess was a media availability. Uh, I'm assuming this was a Zoom call or something to that effect, where he spoke to a number of members of the media, and this was published in Cron.com from Michael Shapiro. But he had some real critical comments about the Rockets and Let's face it, at this point, who doesn't? You know, they're a bad team. There is plenty to critique from management to coaching to the actual players on the basketball court. So there is not a shortage of things to criticize about this team. But I wanted to get into these Kenny Smith comments with you, Adam, because I thought they were interesting. And I was saying this on the radio earlier today when I was on In the Loop, that I just hate that I saw them after we recorded our last episode because I would have done either one or two things. I would have co-opted the comments for myself and, and still giving him credit. You know, it said that hey, Kenny Smith said this, but I completely agree with it. Or, you know, it would have been an entire segment in and of itself, if not just a, a singular point to make. But again, TNT commentator, NBA analyst, two-time NBA champion with the Rockets. Kenny Smith had these things to say, and I want to get your reaction, Adam. Talking about the young team, of course, everybody is, you know, somewhere around 20, 21, 22. And he says, young doesn't mean good. Young doesn't mean promising. Young is just young. I don't look at them and go, oh, wow, that's a young team that's promising and the talent is going to succeed. Right now, they're one of the worst teams in professional sports. What is making me say 
that they're moving in the right way. And honestly, I don't feel like I could have put that any better myself, even though I do think that there are some promising young players on this team. Like I think Jalen Green has some promise. I think Jabari Smith has some promise. I think KJ Martin has a lot of promise, especially for where he was drafted and perhaps what the expectation was for him. But I, I saw a little unfortunate irony for the Rockets that these comments would come out the day of or around the same time that they play the Oklahoma City Thunder for a second time in, I don't know, whatever it was, a week and a half. And the previous time that they played them, they gave up 153 points. This time, don't have the final score in front of me. I got, I, I was done with it by midway through the fourth quarter. But at some point, it was at the end of the third quarter, right before they made a basket at the end of the third quarter, they were trailing by 40 again. And so in back-to-back -back games against another young team, but a young and promising team, they trailed by at least 40 points. And, and to me, it just crystallized the point that he was making, that there's a difference between just being young and being young and promising. And right now, to me, Oklahoma City looks young and promising, and the Rockets just look young. What were your reactions or thoughts when you saw or read what Kenny Smith had to say about the team? Well, so they gave up 20 fewer points last night than the last game in Oklahoma City. So where I sit, that's what we in the business like to call progress. Um, progress, baby. There we go. Okay. Okay. I I'll take it. Still, um, giving a, listen, last night was an absolute, and that was just awful. It, it really was. And it's just kind of been this this familiar pattern that we've seen really for the last couple of months now. where They'll, they'll throw in a couple of good games here or there, and then they just throw in some absolute clunkers. Um what Kenny Smith said is not, they are awful. Like they are an awful, awful basketball team. I think that that's important to say that because that's what they are. They are 13 and 45. They have the worst record in the NBA. Um, there, there is not a whole lot of good things that you can say about them from a team standpoint, but this isn't how you look at it because you're looking at it from you really, when you have a team like this, you're looking at it from an individual standpoint because this part of what you want to call the rebuild is about accumulating players and getting talented players into the building and then figuring, figuring everything out from that point on. I, I don't think that you can deny, as you said, that they have some talented players who you feel like you could at some point build around and build a good team around, whether it's green, whether it's Smith, whether it's Martin Eason, we can go on and on Porter. You can even throw in there. Yep. That's all that matters right now. It, it, it's not supposed to result in wins at this point. And they knew that they were going to lose a ton of games this year. They knew they were going to lose a ton of games last year. Has it looked worse than maybe you thought that it might? That's, you know, that's, that's a question for, for the people who, who are in charge. And so I, I certainly see what Kenny Smith is saying at the same time. I don't think that you can say that there's no promise at all on the roster because when you have the second overall pick, when you have the third overall pick, when you have some other um, some other pieces around those two, I, I think that you can say that, hey, at least you have something. You have the foundation of something. Will it ultimately amount to anything? I don't know. I, I can't answer that question. I, I don't think that I think that we're still very early in the process. So what Kenny Smith says is right. I mean, they are they are awful. They are young. I still, I still think that they are promising, though. So I disagree with him on that standpoint. I don't think that this is like some hopeless situation. And to me, when you when you read the quotes that he gave yesterday, 
to me, it almost is like he's saying that this is a hopeless situation. I don't agree with that part of it. Yeah. So for me, there is a there is an in-between of promising the term promising and the term that you just used hopeless. I don't think they're hopeless either because of the talent that you and I just both went over and that we're going to talk about a little bit more length here in this episode. There, There is something to be hopeful about or, or at least a, a talented young core that maybe you could deem promising. For me, the lack of promise is not about what you mentioned, the, the talent that they've accumulated or the names that were mentioned in. It's more about the way that it looks and kind of the point that you were making about, hey, hey, has it looked the way that you would expect it to look, knowing and acknowledging that they weren't going to win a lot of games? No, absolutely not. Or at least if you're a fan or somebody that was hopeful about them making some progress and taking some steps forward. So like there, there is there is that of I, I don't feel like watching them based off of what we see that there is promise, even if there actually is. The point is watching them that you don't see the promise. You know, hey, Jalen Green is as talented as it gets. You know, is somebody that once he figures out a couple of other things, gets that jump shot right, makes a, some better decisions and the effort gets better and all of that. Like, we'll go through all of that. But just based off of what you see, I, I think about it like this, Adam. When we were doing episodes earlier in the season, and I, I joke around about how when we started the podcast, I'd come on here and say, well, we're not going to be talking about a lot of wins this year. And early on, it seemed like every time we would do one, we do this once or twice a week, every time we would do one, they'd be coming off a win. You know, and even some of the games where I feel like maybe they would lose early on, there did seem to be promise. Like you think about the the Milwaukee game where Jabari Smith is guarding Giannis about as well as you could expect somebody of, of his age and his development stature. Right. It's like, OK, there's promise. You think about the Suns game where they kind of lucked up that that, that one in Phoenix. They kind of looked up at the end. Nobody could make a shot there at the end. But the game that they played there, you're like, oh, there's some promise. But then you go to those back-to-back games in Denver, and you're like, ah, oh, that's not promising. So maybe it's the inconsistency that makes it hard to make this distinction. But that's kind of where I am. It's like, it's not like the young talent isn't promising in and of itself. It's just that the product that they put out there that doesn't look promising and maybe that maybe that's more of a point about management and coaching than it is specifically about the players i mean it's about that but it's just also about youth and when you are playing guys who are 19 20 21 years old when that makes up a majority of of your rotation it's going to be inconsistent that's just how it is guys like that are just going to be inconsistent um and they didn't expect i do think they knew they weren't going to win games this year I mean, they knew that they, the, the Vegas over under was 23 and a half. So like, this is, I mean, they're at 13 right now. So they're behind that pace, but they knew they were going to lose. They knew that. And so it's going to look bad when when that's the case, because you can compete all you want, but you know, if you're in a bunch of close games, you're going to win some of those, you know what I mean? And when you don't expect to win 25 games, it usually means you're getting blown out a good portion of the time. The thing is, are you making things difficult for your opponent? You can, you can get blown out and still play hard. 
the problem that I have with what they've done this season is that they're getting blown out a lot of times this season and they're not playing hard in the process. Um, so that's just, but this is the difficult part of rebuilding. This is why it's really painful and really hard to just bottom out like they've done. And this is why a lot of teams try to avoid that at all costs, because this is what you get. This is what the product turns into. And it's ugly. It's embarrassing. It's not fun to be a part of. It creates a, a, a bad culture within your locker room because everyone doesn't, it doesn't seem like everybody's pulling in the same direction. And I'll give you a great, I'll give you a great cross board example. The Astros in, in 2014, that was an absolute disaster. They were terrible on the field. They had lost three. They had three straight hundred loss seasons. Uh, they were a joke across the sport. They had just blown the 2014 draft. You had the manager going to the owner, trying to get the GM fired. I mean, this is the sort of stuff that was happening with the Astros in 2014. And then all of a sudden, it basically took a move here, a move there, and then, then they're in the playoffs in 2015. I mean, sometimes it just happens that quickly. And I'll and I'll give you an NBA example: Oklahoma City. Um, in the early Durant Westbrook years, uh, Russell Westbrook's rookie season in the NBA was Kevin Durant's second year in the NBA. That team started two and 24. They fired PJ Carlissimo early in the season. Uh, and then you get to the all-star break actually. So they, they, so they start two and 24. Do you know what their record was? We're at the 58 game mark of this season and the Rockets are 13 and 45. Do you know what that Oklahoma City uh, team's record was after 50, 58 games in 2010 or 2009? I mean, I'm going to be honest with you. I had even forgotten about the P.J. Carlissimo experience. So, yeah, no, I do not remember. They were 13 and 45. And the next year, they drafted James Harden, and then they were in the playoffs. Now, do I think that's going to happen here? Probably not. Let's be honest. The, you know, this Rockets team does not have Kevin Durant on the roster. That's a big reason why that team was a, and they had some vets too that were on that team. But this is what happens when you bottom out. When you bottom out, it looks horrific. Everything looks bad. You lose games. Everyone's negative around you. This is just what it is. And this is what you have to expect. And you just have to hope that you just plow through this season. Hope everybody stays healthy. And you hope that guys work hard in the off season. And then you start over once you get to training camp and you hope that that, that you get a little lottery luck. You hope that uh, you can add some pieces in free agency. That's basically what you're looking forward to. Nothing that happens really the rest of this season is going to matter a whole lot unless somebody gets hurt. So you just got to plow through these last 24 games or whatever it is, but it looks bleak. Now I understand. Trust me. I'm watching it every single night. It's not fun. It's not a fun watch. Last night was really difficult to watch and it was, it, it was just, it was really bad, but this is what rebuilding is. This is what bottoming out is. And you just hope that you can dig yourself out of it. But this is the risk that you take when you decide to go in this direction for your organization. Yeah. So how would you answer, just to wrap this topic up before we move on to the individual players, how would you succinctly answer the last question that Kenny Smith asked in these quotes from Michael Shapiro's piece in, on Cron.com, where he asked, at the end and i think i feel like we've kind of answered this already but i just want to get your answer here one more time if he were to ask you directly make me kenny smith and you're adam spillane obviously what is making me say that they're there being the houston rockets what is making me say that the houston rockets are moving in the right way how would you answer that if he asked you i would say that you have the second overall pick from the 2021 draft you have the third overall pick from the 2022 draft you have a couple of other pieces around them you have a ton of cap space moving forward and you have a lottery pick this in this draft i think that's that's what you point to 
And, yeah. and it's, it, is, is it tangible? Not necessarily, but it's hope. And that's basically what you're dealing with right now. You're dealing with hope and you're dealing with the hope that the guys that you already have in the building continue to get better and they turn into legitimate NBA foundational pieces. And then that you hope that you get lucky in the lottery and you hope that you can get somebody to take your money in, in, in the off season. That's basically what you're selling right now. You are selling hope at this point. Yeah, I, I would agree with that wholeheartedly and just add to it. The one other thing that is, I don't know if this is tangible, and I guess it maybe it is tangible that I would say is just to piggyback off of the part about the money that they can spend is that and we talked about this a little bit in the last episode, the mutual interest between yourself and James Harden. <laughs> like, I think that that is actually something that is if we're tra if we're hope trafficking, that's something that I feel like you can hope traffic in as a Rockets fan, even if you still feel like a, you know, if you still feel scorned as a Rockets fan by, by the way things ended uh, obviously ugly and somewhat unprofessionally with James Harden last time he was here. Um, that is, that is one thing that I would say is like, Hey, there is at least somebody who is an all-star caliber player. I know James Harden's not an all-star this year, but he's playing like one. It certainly played like one the last couple of games I've watched him play. Uh, you at least have, that level of veteran and player who has, you know, this emotional tie to your franchise and for whatever reason is interested in coming back, even though he's on a team that has much better cha championship hopes, aspirations and chances than the one that he would be coming to if he were, in fact, to come to Houston. All right. Let's go through the progress report of players. since we're talking about hope, talking about promise, talking about youth. They got a lot of youth and none younger than Jabari Smith Jr., who I believe last time we talked about this, I believe Jabari is the second youngest player in the NBA. Uh, you can correct me if I'm wrong about that, but I feel like they played the young kid from Detroit or like they have whoever is the youngest and Jabari. Either way, you can look at Jabari and tell the boy is young. Um, why take one vacation with the family when you could take all of them? With Royal Caribbean, you don't just go to the beach. You visit a private island and race down the tallest water slide in North America. You don't just go for a road trip. You ATV and zip line through the jungle. You don't just go somewhere new. You rappel down waterfalls and discover ancient temples. Because this isn't just any vacation. This is all the vacations. Come seek the Royal Caribbean. Ships Registry, Bahamas. Jawari Smith progress report. Okay. I'll, I'll just start off by saying for me, I love Jabari's attitude and his approach, whenever we're talking about effort and things like that, that are lacking, that are really disappointing about this team. Whenever you watch it, I don't really lump him into that group. I feel like he, for the most part, um, and, and there could be some exceptions, but I feel like for the most part, he is giving you the effort, the skills that I thought were going to translate from the game that I saw him play in college or his game that I observed from him in college at Auburn has not necessarily translated in the same way that I thought it would in the pros. But to your point that you've made already, he's young. It, it's a, it's a process. It doesn't just happen overnight right away. So I'm okay with that and willing to be patient with it before I'm like, Oh, well, he ain't as good as I thought and all of that. Like, it's just, there is a learning curve and there's a development process that goes with it. But I would say for me, it's just been a little bit surprising that he doesn't shoot it quite as well or hasn't shot it quite as well as I was expecting him to. Plenty of time for that to get better. 
And I think we talked a little bit about this on the last podcast about the defense, some individual defense, there being some pretty good moments, the team defense, not necessarily being there the way you want it. But again, that comes with more experience and all of that. Where are you right now with Jabari Smith Jr.'s progress as a rookie uh, at the all-star break? So I graded him out as a C. I think that, you know, and that's kind of on the rookie curve. Uh, I do think that you, you know, you, you kind of, you get a couple points when you are a rookie uh, playing at this level and taking on the responsibility that he's been asked to take on the shoot. Yeah. It, it kind of shows you, I, I think there was a feeling and I'm probably guilty of this also that you could draft him, stick him in a starting lineup and he would be good to go. That that just his skill set made for that. And it turns out it, it, the NBA is not that simple. The NBA is a whole lot tougher than that. The, the shooting has not been good, especially the three-point shooting and the catch-and-shoot stuff. It's not been good. I think that's been a little bit disappointing. I don't know what the reasoning is for that. I know he's talked a little bit about his mechanics, and they've gotten out of whack. And, you know, you play so many games, and you have so little time off that maybe that can impact things. Uh, I, I don't think his confidence is particularly high right now. I think that probably plays into it as well. I also don't think that they necessarily give him the ball in the best uh, in the best spots. So I think that's probably hurt him as well. Um, for me, the defense has been a little disappointing. I mean, the on-ball stuff has been pretty good at times. But, again, he lacks the physicality uh, to to help you out uh, sort of in that regard. Uh, the team defensive stuff obviously hasn't been great either. Um, but to me, he's their most competitive player, and I think that's important. And I think that they really need somebody who competes the way that he does. And, you know, you saw this, and I know we've talked about this game quite a bit just because there aren't a lot of highlights this season. But um, the DeJounte Murray thing, when, you know, DeJounte Murray hits a three over him, taps him on the head, and, you know, he took exception to that. And, you know, he you know he uh, he showed some fire there. It, it galvanized that team, and they won the game. So I think that was a really strong moment. I think that – I mean, we'll see what happens the rest of the season, these last 24 games, but that might, that might wind up being the highlight of the entire season for them. And just, and, and it was funny too, because I remember um, this might've even been in the same week where, uh, where he and Jalen green were kind of barking at each other on the bench and to see those two come together the way that they did to win that game. I thought that was a really important, I thought that was just really important. Um, But he's obviously, he's got to get stronger. That's going to be the big thing because I think it'll unlock, some things that they can do defensively, but uh, nothing that has happened this season is going to make me think that he's not going to be a quality NBA player. And I think that's all that matters right now. Uh, I'd like to say, you know, the mid range game, I think has a chance to really be good for him because no one's blocking that shot. He, he had one over Evan Mobley when they played the Cavs, I think it was earlier this month. I mean, that's the sort of stuff that, that he can do. And, and Jay Sean Tate even, even said this to me, um, I guess it was a couple of weeks ago that they've got to do a better job of getting him the ball. Like that really has to be a focus of them. It's like, Hey, he, he can shoot from anywhere on the floor. Like he's a threat from anywhere on the floor. So you just have to be able to find him and he's going to be able to get his shot up just under any circumstance. So um, I think some of this has been, he hasn't been good enough, but I think some of it has just been uh, the team hasn't helped him a whole lot either. Yeah. I, I would co-sign all of that and, and also mention what you talked about there with, him and Jalen Green, he and Jalen Green coming together there. That was like maybe just a game or two after that, after the sort of viral is a term that's probably overused at this point in the internet age, but you understand what I mean. It, it got a lot of attention from people who care about the, the team or who care about what's going on there with those guys. And, and I mean, it stood out. Like we see, we know from covering sports, 
as long as you have Adam and I've covered him for a while too, like we know that guys bark at each other and teammates in all sports, but especially one in basketball, I think where there are fewer players uh, that, that this happens, guys argue, even guys who like each other. Uh, so much less guys who don't necessarily have a relationship or whatever the case may be. So I, I love to see that uh, the, the whole thing that we're talking about there with Jabari and Jalen green, because they are, at least for right now, certainly, and I would say for the foreseeable future, no matter who it is that they end up drafting, I would say they are cornerstone pieces to what the Rockets have going on. I just look at Jabari and think there is enough room in that frame of his to obviously get bigger and get stronger. And and so I'm not comparing him as a player to this guy, but but stick with me here. I think about Giannis when he first came into the league and how skinny he was. And I'm not, I can't remember how young Giannis was when he first, uh, his rookie year, but I know he was skinny as hell. And it reminded me a lot of bit, a lot of Jabari Smith Jr. in the way he looks right now. And you look at him now, and again, I'm not comparing them as players. They're two totally different kinds of players, but in terms of frame and physique, like I could see that trajectory of Jabari Smith's body, Several years. I mean, it would take a few years down the line for it to develop into this, but I could see him developing into that sort of still slender, but just shredded type of type of body. And once he does, I think he'll be a lot better defensively. We did an episode and have had these discussions about, you know, could, could Jabari Smith, would they be better off if considering how much of a disaster Alpern Shingun can be defensively at times, and we'll get to him later. But would they be better off at times making Jabari, you know, essentially their defensive five? You know, the guy that guards fives and, you know, does, you know, plays the five in some spot work. I mean, even in maybe even in, in some starting lineups, if if it calls for it, depending on what's going on. And like, I like the idea. I think we were both kind of fans of the idea, not to speak for you, but I feel like we were both kind of fans of the idea. But we could also probably acknowledge that he's just not ready to shoulder that load yet. And, and I'll make this point, like as much as, or as encouraging as I should say, as encouraging as it was to see that response that we're talking about against Atlanta, when DeJounte Murray taps him on the head and him and Jalen Green and the rest of the team rally and all, and all that, as great as that was to see, it was also like discouraging some, I, I was sitting next to, Maybe it was MK Bauer, somebody on the press row uh, at the Kings game, the one where, you know, uh, Eric Gordon fouls De'Aaron Fox at the end of the game right before the end of it, and they went off the free throws, and then the trade deadline happens. Earlier in that game, I noticed they were guarding Jabari Smith with De'Aaron Fox. on. Per- it wasn't like a switch situation either. They just let him match up with De'Aaron or let De'Aaron Fox match up with Jabari Smith. And I'm trying to remember how that how that play played out, if he ended up shooting over him or, or what it was exactly. I don't believe he scored on him, whatever it was. But to me, it was a small thing in a game that that doesn't show up in the stat sheet or that nobody you know thinks about if they didn't watch the game or watched it sort of loosely. But for me, it was it, it stood out because it showed me what other teams think of jabari smith and how he can hurt you and, and or, or like it felt like they were hiding De'Aaron fox because he was since he's the engine of the offense it felt like they were hiding him on jabari smith um and i i didn't like that from a jabari smith standpoint like this guy's 611 with shooting ability 
they shouldn't be putting point guards on them. I don't give a damn how athletic they are or how much of a jump that they've made in their game and all of that. Like credit to De'Aaron Fox for being excellent. But that to me was was a thing where I look at it and I'm like, okay, that's something that's got to change where if somebody the size of De'Aaron Fox winds up on Jabari Smith, it either needs to be an accident uh, or a mistake. And this didn't feel like either one on, on that one. So uh long that's a long-winded way of saying that i agree with the point of him essentially just really needing to get stronger and sort of fortify that nba body it doesn't it doesn't quite look like an nba body yet for what you expect him to be yeah and it's not supposed to be. he's 19 i mean yeah that's just that's just the truth of it you yeah. know I, and i think, and i do think it, it, it hurts that he's going to be compared with paolo bancaro probably his whole life and bancaro is you know, he has the NBA body already. I mean, that's just one area that, uh, you know, Bancaro is already, what, 220 pounds or whatever. I mean, that's yeah. that's a big difference. That's, you yeah. know, he came in an NBA ready. Now, again, Jabari's going to have to work. And I don't think that anyone doubts that he's, you know, I, I think everyone knows that. I, I think the feeling within the building is he's going to put in the work. And I think that's really all that matters. Yeah. And, and not all 19 is created equal. You know, you got later bloomers and, and all of that. So it's like, there's no reason to believe, especially, and I say that again, looking at his frame, I can see where he can obviously get bigger and stronger as he develops, but he's 19, like you say, he's 19 and looks every bit of it. Uh, I don't believe he turns 20 until May, if I'm not mistaken. I feel like that's correct. So, like, he's a, he was a, and I make that point only to say he was a young 19 when the season started or when he was drafted. It just turned 19, so. He would be one of the younger people. I'm a, I'm a May birthday as well. One of the younger people in his grade or in his class, however you want to look at it. So uh, so there's there's a lot to develop there. And I, I would dis I would disassociate him from any of the points that Kenny Smith made overall about the Rockets. I think that he is both young and promising. So uh, so I'll leave it at that. Let's let's move on to Alpern Shingoon and kind of rapid fire through the rest of them. I know we're all we've already gone almost a half an hour talking. And Adam, you know me, I can be extremely long winded, can talk forever. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouthwatering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. But Alpern Shingoon, um, what are you seeing? I'll defer to you on this one. I, I'm a big Alpern Shingoon guy. I've always thought that he, that he's been a little bit overhyped, but also like, and that's when I say overhyped, I'm talking about my Rockets fans, right? I don't think anybody outside of that is, is doing it. You've got a section, you've got a Shingoon hive. You've got a Shingoon segment of the fan, fan base that just feels like, you know, I see this a lot, that he's a better player than Jalen Green. I mean, and you can make a case that he's played at times better than Jalen Green, but I don't know how you can watch the games or watch either of them and really, like, honestly believe that in your true heart of hearts. But I also think it's a credit to Alper Shingoon and and some of the things that he really does well. Where are you right now with the progress that he's shown from year one to year two or at the all-star break of year two? I've got him – I graded him out as a B um, – I think that he did a really good job of responding from a bad training camp, a bad preseason, 
and you know he got benched. And let's just let's just be honest. You know he, I think the assumption with him was that he was going to be the starting center when the season started. And because of a bad camp, because of a bad preseason, they brought him off the bench, and he used that to get better. And you know the numbers across the board are up. The minutes are up to he's averaging twenty eight minutes a game, um, and the fouling is down, which is a, that's been important for him. It's like it, it, the, I think some of the there was a thinking that he would not be able to play big minutes because he would have trouble staying out of foul trouble. Well, that hasn't been an issue. I mean, there's still the nights where he, where he gets into some foul trouble, but for the most part, I mean, his, his fouls per 36 minutes have gone down from, from 5.2 to 4.3. That's a big step in the right direction. Offensively. He's, he's a playmaker. He makes their offense better when he's on the floor and you've seen it recently when he's off the floor, their offense is absolutely hopeless, especially with Kevin Porter Jr. being out. So that's that's good. Um, some areas where you feel like he needs to – obviously the defense. The defense, we know. We don't need, we, we've talked about the defense, buddy. We don't need to get into that any more than we already have. Um, he, you need to see him become a more, uh, a, a more rounded shooter to where he's taking threes. Like he's actually shooting threes better this season than he did last year. He's just not taking them. And I do think that that's – just just take them. Just, just, uh, you need to be a threat. If a team at least thinks you're going to be a threat, then that changes the way that they have to defend you. And one other big area that he needs to work on is the defensive rebounding. He's a great offensive rebounder. He loves to crash the class and get offensive rebounds. He does not like to box out nearly as much. And something I think his effort tends to wane when it comes to that part of his game. You will see times where he won't even go for, for a defensive rebound. He'll, his feet are just planted on the ground. That's an area that he really needs to work on. And he needs to get better playing without the basketball. He needs to – I think that – and I, I do think this is one of the things that frustrates his teammates sometimes is that if he does that he just all he cares about is having the ball and he just wants the ball on his hands and he's not willing to to be effective without the ball. And this was one of the things that he struggled with during training camp and during the preseason is that when, what does he do when he does not have the ball in his hands? I think that's one area where he needs to grow. But for the most part, I think that you have to be happy with where he's at. I think he's had a good year. He's shown that he can carry a load for you offensively. And I, I think that if there were any doubts about that, he's disproven them. Yeah, I, I would say another way of saying what you just said is, and this is not, again, I'm not putting words in your mouth. This is this is my opinion. He feels very much like a one-dimensional player, very much like a one-dimensional player, like a guy who is really only good when he has the ball. You know, you talked about him needing to be better off the ball. Obviously, he needs to be better off the ball. Uh, he, he is not a catch-and-shoot threat of any kind. I feel like he needs to be because he's not somebody that's going to be ball, especially depending on what they end up doing in the draft. He's not going to have the ball in his hands all the time. He needs to be able to be somebody who can spot up and shoot the ball. And I agree with the part about just the willingness. And I think that that helps a lot. The willingness to shoot it, I think. And he does have to improve it a little bit. Like, I don't think he's a good enough shooter right now. He definitely needs to improve that. But if he improves it just a little bit, and has more of a willingness to shoot it that will be that would make him a a, a much bigger threat offensively uh so moving without the basketball shooting the ball um and of course like you mentioned the rebounding and the defense is the biggest thing he's kind of a liability out there defensively at times um i do feel like a lot of times he is trying and giving effort defensively he's just bad at it um and so you know i <laughs> i've always said 
like just philosophically, like I, I would prefer you be both talented and hardworking, but at the end of the day, I only care about how effective you are. So I don't care how hard you work. I care about how, how well you work. So if you can be great without working hard, more power to you. I prefer you work hard, but if you can just do one or the other or yeah, preferably both, but like you, you've got to, at the, at the end of the day, be effective and be good. So, uh, so that, that's kind of where I am with him. He's putting in the effort. He just needs to be better in a lot of areas that in almost every area that doesn't include possessing the ball, having the ball literally in his hands and creating some type of opportunity for either himself or his teammates. Let's move on to KJ Martin. Uh, so I think, I think this is the guy who you had as your most improved player on the team. Uh, whenever, whenever we did the midseason awards earlier in the year, uh, a couple of weeks back in an episode that we did, um, I'd agree with you. Uh, I don't remember who I had, but I don't think I had KJ. But either way, I would agree with you um, on that point. KJ Martin, somebody that's going to be one of the few guys that's going to be featured this weekend, Albert Shingoon as well. Uh, but KJ Martin in the in the dunk contest going to be somebody that a lot of people might end up seeing for the first time. Um, certainly this year, I know it's his third year. I guess you should have seen him by now if you follow basketball. Um, but where are you right now with his progress at this point? Um, I, I'll give him a B plus. Uh, I think the, the one negative for him this season has been the three point shooting has not improved. And it, that seems to be an area where he's gotten worse, but I think everything else he's gotten better at. And so know, wait, wait, wait. So he fits in. So wait, wait, wait. He, so he fits in, he fits in perfectly with this team then. Because he can't yeah. shoot threes, because no, because nobody oh, yeah. can. Unfortunately, <laughs> like, yes. Um, he, fits in per- he fits in perfectly with his environment. Yeah, but he does everything well. Um, a really good athlete, works hard, knows where to be defensive. I mean, it stands out that he's one of the few guys who he's been around. You know, he's he's the vet. He's 22 years old and has been in the league now for three years. So I, I think that he's been everything that you know. We 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 brought this up um, a couple weeks ago. If you did a redraft of the 2020 draft, he's probably top 10 pick. And I think that that a lot of that isn't because a lot of times you say that about a guy based on where he's drafted. He's worked to get to that point. He's worked to to make himself into that type of a player. So I I just give him credit for it. Um, He's just been everything that that you could have hoped that he could turn into. It's basically what he's been. So um, all positives for KJ Martin this season. He's been one of the few bright spots I think that they've had. Yeah. uh, Another way of saying it for me, uh, I would agree about the bright spots. I would say for me personally, he is one of the joys to one of the few joys to watch on this team. I I don't I watch this team because I've watched it pretty much my entire life. And obviously we do this podcast. We cover all of the teams here locally for Sports Radio 610. It is our job to be informed and to be intelligent about these teams. But beyond that, just personal enjoyment, watching basketball, watching somebody play. He is one of the very few players on this team who, for me personally, is a joy to watch as a fan of basketball. Let's move on to Kevin Porter Jr. Point guard conversation, all of that. Like Kevin Porter Jr., I feel like because he hasn't played, has been less of a controversial topic because it's been sort of out of sight, out of mind type of thing. But when he did play or when he was playing, he was very much topic of discussion for a lot of people. Obviously, their their point guard, um, probably not actually a point guard, but somebody who has uh, value on a team, I think, um, especially 
as a you know as a ball handler as a, as a shot creator uh but of course has missed are we at 17 games now that was the last time i checked has missed 17 games in a row um with injury so obviously got to keep that in in context we haven't seen him play in about a month or maybe more but where are you with kevin porter jr's progress uh, I've got him at a C plus. Uh, I, I do think that you show how much you need him and how much he's missed when he's not out there because they don't really have anyone who has his types of skills. Um, he's a guy who can get downhill for you, get you a bucket that way. He can distribute to teammates. Uh, and defensively, you know, it, it's funny. Defensively is where they've really fallen off uh, without him on the floor. And he's not a great defender by any stretch, but he can compete on that end of the floor and physically he can handle himself on that end of the floor. And you've seen it now these last couple of games against Oklahoma city, where, I mean, they're running out guys against Shea Gilgis Alexander, who just have no chance against Shea Gilgis Alexander, at least, you know, not, 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 not as much last night with Tate, but you know, the game before where it's, you know, Dacian Nicks, I mean, that just, that just wasn't going to work. Um, so I, I think he's been a little uneven. Um, he hasn't shot it. I think as well as people thought that he would, but he's been, you kind of know what you're getting out of the guy. And, you know, as long as, you know, sometimes the effort wanes, I think that's the biggest issue right now with him. It's just that the effort wanes. And, and I'm not going to grade him harshly on the point guard stuff because I think that they are asking him to do something that um, he's not, I'm not going to say he's not ready for it, but it's just really hard. It's just really hard to, to be a point guard in the NBA, especially when you are playing the position for the first time in the NBA. So there's going to be some growing pains that come with that. And he's got to learn, he's got, he's still got to learn the intricacies of the position. Uh, but I, I think for the most part, he's been okay. Um, he hasn't been, you know, there are guys who have been worse for them this season. So uh, C plus might even be a little harsh. You could probably, you could probably, you could probably talk me into a B minus. Um, but I think he's been, he's been okay for them this season. And I think that you've seen it in these last, I mean, they're three and 14 in the games that he's been out. And I think you see just how much they miss him at both ends of the floor when he's not out there. So I, this has been, this stretch has been a reminder that, Hey, you know, let's, Let's be uh, appreciate the guy a little bit more because they they really need him on the floor. Yeah, I understand that he's their point guard, and like I'm not here to minimize the importance of point guard. I feel like we've discussed that as well. That was its own topic on this podcast a couple of weeks ago as well. the The value of having a point guard. We've seen that uh, either with Kevin Porter Jr. being hurt or with other guys being out for various reasons. But I'll say that I do like Kevin Porter Jr. most when he's just being Kevin Porter Jr. I'm talking about like as a basketball player, when he's not ultra fixated on being the point guard. And again, that's not to minimize the need for one. I think if anything, that highlights the need for one. But I just love when he goes out there. And I feel like he's talked about this after certain games, not using the term point guard specifically, but just talking about going out there and playing his game and trusting himself and what he does. And I think he's at his best when he does that. Um, and, and similar to what I said about KJ Barden, he is most enjoyable to watch as a basketball player when he's doing that, when he's being himself and not necessarily, I hate to say it like this, but not necessarily who they're asking him to be or trying to require him to be. Um, With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. 
And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Let's move on to Jalen Green. Star of the show. He is the franchise player, certainly right now. Uh, their leading scorer, if I'm not mistaken. 21 points for somewhere around there. Um, <laughs> really, I am a Jalen Green fan. I am I am somebody, and, and again, this is just in terms of like just pure basketball we're talking. I like watching him play. I get frustrated watching him play because he does some maddening things, and that's pretty much almost everybody on this team does a maddening thing or two every game. But I love his game, man. I guess maybe more than anything, I love the fact that he's just so damn fast and so hard to stay in front of. I've got a I've got an affection for somebody who can just get what they want when they want it on the court. And I still don't feel like Jalen Green has fully realized that or what that means, you know, like he's still, I feel like he still bails out defenses a lot of times and sometimes he'll make the shots, but once he becomes, I think a more, maybe more decisive or a better decision maker, or maybe understands his superpowers a little bit better that he's going to be a really, really difficult player to guard. But right now he's inefficient. He's inconsistent. His jump shot is hit or miss. And you know, there are some there are just some things that need to get better and, and that need to develop just from my my vantage point. Uh, but you who watches these, I, I probably watch them as much as you do, but you probably watch it with a closer eye. What would you say is the progress report on Jalen Green? I gave him a C minus. Um, I think that he's a better basketball player today than he was at the start of the year. I don't think there's any question about that. The shooting has not been good. I think, and he's shooting it worse really from every spot on the floor. And even, I think we talked about this the other day. Um, he is taking fewer shots, fewer of his shots are coming from the restricted area, but he's shooting it much, much worse. He was, he was league average from the restricted area last year. He's down to 51% from shooting at the rim this season, which is a, that's, that's not good. And that's not going to get it done. Um, but you look at some of the other stuff, obviously the scoring is up as the responsibility has gone up. Um, he has become a much, much better playmaker. The assists this season have been way up and he's developed that little two man game with Alperin Shengun. I think that's been a, a really important development for him. Um, and the free throws have been a big plus too. I mean, you go from three and a half free throws a game to almost six. I mean, that's, that's important. And that's something that he, that he has to continue to do. But the, the defense has been bad and the effort just hasn't been there enough. And I think that's where he's got to get. I mean, that's just got to be the main focus for him is if you're going to be the best player on a team. If, and that's ultimately his goal. His goal is to be one of the best players, not just on this team, but in the NBA. You have to play hard every single night. And he just does not do that. And until he does that, the team is at a disadvantage. And. That's that's on him. And that's one of those things. And I think that, you know, he's understood at times that the effort hasn't been good enough, but he's got to focus on that and he's got to improve at that. And I, I don't know. I mean, he's coming off of getting hurt um, last night in Oklahoma City. I don't know how long he's going to be out. Uh, it did not look good just seeing it, um, seeing it as it happened. But what, whenever he comes back, his focus needs to be am I giving my best effort every single night? Am I leaving? And this is kind of the cringy, leave it all out on the floor stuff, but that's important because if you're going to be the best player, you're the guy that everyone looks to. And if you're not playing hard, then guy number four isn't going to play hard and guy number six isn't going to play hard. So he's got to focus on playing hard every single night until he does that. I think they're going to struggle as a team. 
Yeah, man. Not to go back to the whole, you know, what Kenny Smith was saying about them not being promising and getting into the semantics of what what is promising versus, you know, like what does promising mean exactly? But that to me is the thing that would be not promising, you know, would be the fact that you're you're clear to me, at least your clear far and away best player in the future of your franchise has effort issues early on. And I know we've talked throughout the season about the losing, taking a toll on them and how the, the grind of the season can be really difficult. And, you know, he's really still just kind of, you know, uh, uh, developing and learning, learning what it means to be the best player on an NBA team. But that to me would be the thing that is, if, if not, if you didn't want to say that that's not, you know, if you didn't want to attach promising to that, uh, to that idea, I would say that that is a little bit discouraging or uh, would, would cause some trepidation about, okay, what direction is the team headed in if their clear far and away best player has effort issues early on and when he's, when he's at his, uh, I wouldn't call this his physical peak at age you know, 20, 21 or whatever it is, but you know, when he's, you know, physically should have all of the energy in the world and is, you know, getting his, you know, initial his initiation into the NBA, you would like to at the very least see uh, see effort. And I'll, and I'll say this before we move on, that that is honestly not something that I would have made as a critique. Even like last year or even him as a prospect when we were talking about like I, I was expecting a little bit more and you talk about cringeworthy terms, but I expected a little bit more dog in him. You know, to be to use a cliche and a, and a far overused term in sports media, but I did expect to see a little bit more dog in Jalen Green on the basketball court, and so I'm hoping that that reveals itself at some point, um, either when he comes back from the groin injury, or or yeah, whenever he comes back from the groin injury, whether that be in the next couple of weeks or before the end of the season, whenever I see him play basketball next, and every time I see him play basketball next. The, the hope and expectation is you see that dog that you were anticipating whenever he was drafted. Now, when I say you, I'm talking about me. Because uh, that, that was what, you know, I was saying, hey, I know the kid's got a ponytail and he's skinny as hell and painted fingernails and the young generation, you know, the older we get, the less we understand about people that age. But the kid's got dog in them, you know, at least I thought. And so, uh, and I still think it's in there, uh, but maybe it's the losing, beating them down or just the the way it feels like the franchise has been headed this year, but you just want to see all of that be a lot better. Like I was looking at this earlier. He is, and I'm assuming this is updated. This is from basketball reference. He is 16th in field goal attempts this year, 16th, but like the percentages, you can't find them on the leaderboards, you know, like that, you know, he's, He's 16th in three-point field goal attempts. But the percentages, you can't find him in the leaderboard. And then you go down the field goals missed. He's fifth. Fifth. So, and again, the free throws are, are an encouraging sign. You know, he's uh, he's 18th in free throw attempts this year. And so, uh, as of this recording, and so that, that's a good number and an encouraging sign that you see the aggression there. But... You just want to see a little bit, I would say actually a lot more uh, in terms of the effort. And again, to use that cliche one more time, 
that dog. I want to see that dog in them a little bit. Uh, Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Let's move on. Ty Ty Washington. Progress report. Not somebody that was getting a lot of burn early on. He was being yo-yoed back and forth from Rio Grande Valley to or with the Vi- with the Vipers uh, to the Rockets and Rockets to the Vipers and was, I mean, excellent with the Vipers. But, I mean, all that confirms is that, yes, he's a legitimate NBA player um, amongst guys who perhaps are not, or at least a number of guys who are not. And so uh, he gets to the, to the NBA game and it doesn't necessarily translate. But he's had some moments. Um, he's had some moments. I'd like to see him get a little bit more opportunity. I feel like that has come and is coming given the new makeup of the team after the trade deadline. But what would you say is the the progress report on Ty Ty Washington at the all-star break of this rookie season? Yeah, I can't really grade him just because you haven't seen enough of him, but there's definitely something there. I mean, there, there yeah. is definitely ability. Um, I, I do think that he has an ability to run an offense and he has an ability to get his own shot and get teammates involved and put teammates in a good position. He's small. I mean, the size thing is going to hurt him, and he's got to learn. He's going to have to defend up. He's going to have to defend up in class, so that's going to be tough for him moving forward. But again, he's he he's actually older. He's twenty one, which I don't think you would you would have thought that just because he was a freshman uh, when he came out uh, at, at Kentucky or you know playing the one year at Kentucky. Uh, and and the shooting obviously is got to be improved. I mean, he is. Let me double check this. I had it up a second ago, but. Uh, the not three a good point shooter, shooter, though. Yeah, he's 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 18% from three. I mean, that that's oh. not gonna play. Um, and so that's one area of his game that has to get better because you can't be on the floor as a guard, especially a guard who is you know six two, six three, whatever he is, and not be able to shoot the basketball, or at least not be able to be you know somewhat adequate as a three-point shooter. So 18% is not gonna play, he's got to work on that shot because it's it's just going to make them much much easier to defend when he's out there. Now he made two of them yesterday. I mean that was that was good. You know, he, he was 2 of 6 from 3 yesterday. Uh but you just look at some of these others. Um 0 for 3 in Miami, uh 2 for 7 uh the last game in Oklahoma City, 1 for 5 against Cleveland, 1 for 3 against Minnesota. That's that's a good one. But I mean it's just 18% is 18%. And yeah. that's that's one area. If he can't improve that or if he can't get up to at least the low 30s, it's hard to have some it's hard to have him on the floor unless you know you're a rim runner and at 6263, he's not a rim runner. So he's got that's gotta be an area of his game that really he's gotta he's gonna have to work on that nonstop. Yeah, I don't think I don't think I had paid it much attention just because the team overall is so bad as a three-point shooting team and and the fact that he's not a good three-point shooter, but just the fact that he doesn't stand out as a three-point shooter, much less how bad he is, has made me sort of not dig into the numbers of how bad I didn't, like until you said that, 18%, I would not, like if you had asked me to guess, I would have given you something like 25, 28%, you know, something. You're, you're never going to think a guard is. Yeah, you're, you're never going to think a guard is in the teams. I mean, he's a guard. Yeah. They're supposed to. 
shoot. Yeah, uh, yeah. But uh, and and I don't want to go all negative on this, but he's been you know the other night um, in Philly, uh, the turnovers. Uh, you know, as a team, they committed a bunch of them. I think they had seventeen or eighteen turnovers. He had the ball in his hands a lot. He didn't have any. And actually, uh, Washington has gone one, two, three, six straight games without a turnover. And some of these games, you know, he's played. You know, he played two minutes against Toronto. He played two minutes uh, one of the games against Sacramento. But 25 minutes in Oklahoma City, zero turnovers. 22, 23 minutes in Miami on Friday, zero turnovers. 20 minutes in Philly the other night, zero turnovers. 18, 19 minutes last night, zero turnovers. For a team that kicks the ball around nonstop like this team does, for him to have the ball in his hands as much as he does and to not turn it over, that's a that's a major, major plus. And they need more of that because the turnovers have obviously been a huge issue for this team in the last few years. Yeah, I think that I like I'm willing to say that he's their best natural point guard from just what I've seen. He is the he is their best natural point guard on the team. Now that's not saying a lot. Okay. That's that's I don't even think that's great on the that, that's just not saying a lot because uh, they don't have talent at that position. And, and the talent that, that you would say they have at that position is somebody who's miscast and isn't that exactly that position. But just looking here again on, on the three-point numbers, because it shocked me when you said that, and I and I had not looked at it. He has played in 23 games and has taken 53 pointers. Has made and, and you guys who do percentages well in your head probably figured this once I said it, but so 18%, he has made nine of 53 point attempts in 23 games, nine. Okay. And 18, if 18% doesn't sound bad enough, just to spell it out that nine of 50 is, uh, is ugly. Uh, there's no way around it. It can, it, it cannot be that it is, uh, you know, uh, talk about playing in the G league against, non-nba players that's a non-nba stat you are you are a non-nba at least a non-nba three-point shooter even if we can acknowledge that he does there is something there in terms of being an nba caliber point guard specifically the point guard position and what point guards do so um so that's tata washington hopefully you see more uh and i'm excited for him honestly uh with the opportunities he's gonna have i think he's got a hell of an opportunity here at the end of the year with Eric Gordon being traded, and even now with Jalen Green being injured, I mean that's that's not a good thing for anybody, I don't think. But specifically as it pertains to Ty Ty Washington, I think just for the guard, all of the guards, all the perimeter players, it's going to open up a little bit of opportunity for them uh, to to play more and to contribute more and to show a little bit more of what they can do. Um, and, and no one has any idea when Kevin Porter Jr. is coming back. So I mean, again, still, they might go. Still. They, yeah, they might. I mean, they might go into that that game against the Warriors next week out of the break. Gordon's gone. Green's hurt. Porter's hurt. You know, I mean, that's a lot of minutes that are, that are going to be open for a lot of people. Yeah. Uh, so uh, wait a minute. So before, since you mentioned Kevin Porter, like it's just to be clear, it is the foot, right? Like, or are, are, are we, I, like, I don't feel like I've heard a lot about like, and just in terms of progress, what he's doing, I see him on the bench. You know, and he still he looks like he looks looks like he's engaged as a teammate. Shout out to him for that. But like, what's? I mean, what the hell? Like, how? I mean, I don't I don't know if I ever got a good sense for how bad of an injury it was supposed to be, and then I looked up and he had missed fifteen games now seventeen. Uh, so Danielle Lerner had video of him in Oklahoma City last night. I think 
uh, shooting around or doing some dribbling with John Lucas before the game. But I mean, it's, it's the toe, it's the left big toe that is causing him pain. It's just the left, you know, it's just the, they're calling it left foot. It's the, it's, it gets into some weird injury semantics because I think it was with Matthews before he got traded when he, he missed a game or two with a, and they called it a left big toe injury yet with Porter, the team will tell you it's a left big toe, but on the injury report, it says left foot. So it's one of those really right. fun semantics that, that you get into, but no, I, nobody, nobody knows. And um, this has kind of been another theme with the Rockets this season is they have been very, very, very vague when it comes to injuries. I mean, Jay Sean Tate missed 30 something games due to right ankle soreness. That's all they said. And then there was never really any sort of like, Hey, this is what's happening. This is the timetable. There was never any timetable given. There has not been a timetable given with Kevin Porter. Um, he said he's just taking it day by day. And this was a couple of weeks ago during a practice. He's just taking it day by day. So uh, there is no concrete information on when he might come back. If he might, I think that they're confident that he's going to come back. I think the expectation is that he'll play again this season, but I, I don't know for sure. I can't, I can't say yeah. just because yeah. we, we know so little about, about the situation and we're going to probably go another, um, obviously it's, it's the all-star break. They'll probably um, get back together for practice on Tuesday, maybe Wednesday, because uh, they don't play again until Friday, so they might, you know, give everybody a little extra day, uh, an extra day or so. But yeah, there, there's very little information on what is actually going on with Kevin Porter Jr. So that's where we're at. Yeah, well, I wish I had semantics. No, 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 semantics or not, I'm glad you said it like that because I thought maybe I was just doing a bad job of following it for being confused by it. Like I'm like, am I, am I not reading? with comprehension or am I, am I like not following this story closely enough? Cause I mean, I, I follow pretty much everything that comes out about the Rockets in addition to going to the games or, and watching the games that I can't go to. And I just was like, Hey man, if there's anybody that I know that should know about this injury, it should be me or Adam Spillane. And of course, you know, our press buddies that sit on the press row with us, like, and, and like, I didn't feel like I was getting from, like, I didn't know. And I didn't feel like I was getting from the rest of y'all either. It was like, dude, what's going on with like one of the top two or three players on this team, you know, for being out this long. So I'm, I'm, I'm glad you explained it like that. Cause it is as confusing as it seems. It's not just a product of me reading poorly or not following it closely enough. So, uh, so, I, so I this, appreciate that. So Danielle on Twitter, had before last night's game and this was let's see there's 61 minutes on the clock so this is an hour before last night's game um and uh, let's see i i don't want to do the video because it all well, just sorry there's going to be some sound on here in a second but i just want to see i mean he he's not exactly i mean he's shooting and dribbling but he's not going hard i mean this doesn't look like he's he's anywhere close to to being able to return so i mean yeah we are we are at 17 games. They play. They don't play again for another eight days. I can't imagine he comes back before the break. But I, and I would also imagine that they want uh, to get him, you know, on the practice floor and getting into some five on five stuff. But it doesn't seem like he's close to coming back. So that's where we're at right now with this. Tari Eason. When we talk about players who don't have that effort issue, who don't have that energy. Like, can I stop you real quick? Because there, there's a little bit of breaking news. Um, oh, yeah, please, please do. Please do. Couple, and it happens that right as you bring up Tari Eason, uh, Tari Eason is going to be in the Rising Stars game. He is replacing uh, Jalen Duran. 
Uh, Duran has, I'm trying to see if there, I don't, I don't see, I don't know if there's an exact injury. I'm trying to read through this press release very quickly on the fly. Uh, I'll say as, Jaylen, you, as you read, as you, as you read through it and, and, and get your thoughts about you, I will point out Jalen Duran is the player earlier that I was mentioning, uh, that I couldn't think of who was actually the youngest player, not Jabari. And they played against each other whenever the Rockets played the Pistons, but those are the two youngest players in the NBA. So you bringing up his name reminded me that that's who I was thinking of earlier and couldn't call his name out, but go ahead with what you were saying about the breaking news. Okay. So Jalen Duran sprained his ankle. He has uh, been replaced in the rising stars game by Tari Eason and Jalen green will not participate in the rising stars game due to the uh, left groin strain that he suffered uh, last night in Oklahoma city and Io Desumu will replace mm. him. So you have yeah, Desumu, one I, another, and then and a second, second guy. Yep. Yeah, and and I, obviously Ayu Dusumu is the bull is a place for the Bulls, and is uh, I want to say an Illinois guy. Like he's a he's a yes. actual local local kid there. So uh, I know that the folks in Chicago are real big fans of Ayu Dusumu. Um, and, and I mean, he was an excellent player with uh, who's who's the other kid at at, at Illinois? The bigger kid, um, uh, Kofi Coburn. His name. There we go, Kofi Coburn. Yeah, th- those two guys were really excellent at uh at Illinois when they played together. So uh, good for Ayu Sumo getting into that game. Um, unfortunate for Jalen Green, obviously, in his situation. But, um, but yeah, that is that is good news. So Tari Eason, shout out to Tari Eason getting into the Rising Stars. Could have made the case for him. Like, I know there's a lot of good young players. Um, and the Rockets, I guess, don't do themselves any favors by playing as poorly as they do. And, and the perception of them being what it is around the league, that they're a laughing stock, they're not to be taken seriously and all of that. And I feel like some of the players that that are good and that do have some promise to use that word again, it's a buzzword for this episode. I feel like some of those guys are unfairly overlooked because of that. You know, they get to be lumped in into the current state of affairs with the Rockets. But Tari Eason is another one um, who I would put in that category that I did with Jabari Smith earlier of he does not apply to the, you know, the not promising doesn't give enough effort he is the ultimate effort guy um i love watching him play for different reasons than i do kj martin but love to watch him play nonetheless um somebody who i still think is their worst passer on the team um not necessarily a great shooter not not necessarily a very skilled player um but energy effort and uh and I think that can go a long way, you know, and I think it has gone a long way. I think it's brought Tari Eason here to where he is exactly right now. So what's your progress report on one Tari Eason in his rookie year at the all-star break? He's a disruptive player. I think is the best way to put it where he's going to get a lot of deflections. He's going to get some blocks. He's going to start some fast breaks. Uh, the shooting is actually not, and he's 35% from three, which on this team you'll take. I mean, that's, yeah, that's like, yeah. that's Reggie Fuller type stuff on this team. Um, so and he's taking two a game. Uh, I think that he has exceeded all the expectations, and I think there was a reason why they really liked him uh, coming out of the draft. And, and you've seen exactly why. And I think you can argue that he's been their best rookie. You know, he's not maybe their most talented rookie, but I think that he's probably been he's probably been their best and most consistent rookie this season. So uh, I think that when you're looking at who you're building around and who's part of this team moving forward, obviously you have the two top five picks 
and then you get get into Shingun, and then you get into Martin, and then Eason is right there within in that mix because of just how he's looked um, so far as a rookie. So I think that this is one of those, and I don't think it's it's not a coincidence that he was a guy who played in college for two years. I think that that probably helped him, you know, getting the extra year, getting you know, being in a, in a different program too at LSU where they played kind of a, a unique style compared to the rest of college basketball. I think that's done him some good. So I think that he's been very very good for them. I think that 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 goes down as one of Rafael Stone's better picks. And I, it was one of those guys that I, it was one of those picks that was an easy one to make for them because he's just sitting there at 17. They didn't have to move. They didn't have to move up. They didn't have to move down to get him. I mean, it, it worked out really, really well. Yeah. He was one of the players that I was, you know, at least on the internet lobbying for them to take at that, with that spot or at that spot. And then lo and behold, he was there and they took him. Um, I don't, I don't do predictions very well, but, and I don't know if I was really pretending to be able to predict that exactly, but I I felt like I saw that coming. Like, I felt like he'd be just from watching him play. I thought he's the kind of player who like, he's clearly a role player. And so, and I don't think he has any uh, misconceptions about what he is and who he is. And he seems to be such a team guy that whatever role he ends up having in the future with this team he'll be suited for it. Is you know as long as they don't outkick the coverage on that, right? Like try to make him be something more than what he is. But if they keep him within his proper context, he's somebody that could be you know, could be in your starting lineup at times if you need him to be, could be your 6th, 7th, 8th, 9th man, like whatever it is that you need from Tari Eason, the disruptor as you call him, I like that term for for Tari Eason. Uh he he's somebody that can contribute for you and and I think is uh, I, w- I would agree with the points you made too about him being one of Raphael Stone's uh, better picks. Like, um, I-, I point to Shingun being somebody that they moved up to get, saw something in him, and and made a concerted effort to go get him. They didn't, like you mentioned, didn't have to do that with Tari, uh, with Tari Eason. But uh, but both of those moves, I look at, I reflect on, you know, you know even on draft day and following it. Like, okay, all right, uh, you know, I you know I can get with this. I can see, I can see what they see. And sure enough, it has played out right around or about what uh, what you would hope for. So uh, so good for Tari Eason being in the in the Rising Stars Challenge, and uh, hopefully he can keep it up and continue to improve on his game. Um, and for me, be a better passer. I get nervous when that dude's got the ball on a fast break. Like on a fast break, I want him to be the last one to touch it in the dunk it. Um, if he's got to pass the ball, I'm tremendously concerned and nervous about. Uh, about what happens next, but uh, uh, but the effort is there and all of that, so you you can't be mad at that. Yeah, um, the finishing at the rim has to be better. I mean, that's yeah. you know a guy his size, he needs to be better at that. I don't know what the numbers are exactly, but I mean, he was in he was in like the low forty percent uh, earlier in the season. But he's the type of guy who can score um, double figures without having a single play run for him. He's going to find he's going to be in the right place at the right time, and he's big enough to where if you need to put him on a center. He can handle that, and so you can. He's a very switchable type player, so uh, he's got a he's got a really bright future ahead of him in this game. No doubt about it. Um, I was trying to see if I could find those real quick, but I'm I'm not seeing it. Just a uh, field goal percentage by distance. Let's see. Yeah, like like I'm looking here. Three to from three to ten feet. Says he's thirty six percent. You know, like yeah, that, that's because 
that gets into like the back of the lane. So let me let me pull it up really quick. Yeah, I was gonna say I, I would like to I would like to know the what the actual numbers are on that because that that is has been noticeable. It, it really more so earlier on in the season. I thought he was missing a lot of bunnies. I don't feel like I've noticed it as much lately, but it was striking early on that he was as poor of a finisher as he had been. So I was trying to look. That it's 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 uh it's fifty percent now. So he's gotten better. And that's where two thirds of his shots come from. I mean, that's so that's important. I mean, if, if two thirds of your shots are going to, and that's really good too, that you look at his shot profile and two thirds of his shots are coming at the rim, but you got to make more than half. So if you get that number, e- even get that number up to 55%, I mean, that's, that's a totally different player. And that's just, you're just much, much, much better as a team that way. I mean, that, that's, you know, that th- those are easy points. Any shot around the rim should be an easy two, well, not an easy two points, you know what I mean? But, you know, th- those are those are shots that have to be made. So, yeah. I mean, right, right now he's at 50%. That number, it's gotten better. I mean, he was in the low 40s earlier in the year. So the fact that he's gotten that to 50, that's good. Now we need to get it up into the 55% range, maybe even yeah. by the end of the season. But that's, you know, he's got he's got to get a little bit more explosive. I mean, all these guys are so young. They all have stuff that they can do in the gym. And that's, you know, for, for Easton, that's going to be one of those things is just become more explosive. Yeah, they call them high percentage shots for a reason. So the high percentage shot stands the reason that you should shoot a high percentage in high percentage shots. You know, that goes, uh, that that's pretty easy. All right, let's get out of here on Guzman Garuba. Um, and I know we hadn't gotten into Josh Christopher, but we talked about him a little bit in the last episode. I encourage you guys. Um, if you wanted to hear what we had to say about Josh Christopher, I feel like Adam covered it pretty well in the previous episode. We both did. Uh, so I'd encourage you to go back and check that out in the feed, but Usman Garuba progress report. Uh, you know, they were doing the three man center rotation thing for a while. Bruno Fernando gets traded at the deadline. Uh, we mentioned it at the time that it, it seems to mean that they're going with Usman Garuba as their backup center. Um, so that's that's where we are now with him. But uh, I mean, really good defensive player. That's that's always been the profile on him. Uh, I feel like I remember uh, Raphael Stone. You can remind me of what Raphael Stone, Raphael Stones. I keep doing that. Raphael Stones uh, scouting report was on Usman Garuba when he drafted him about how good of a defensive player he thinks he can be. Uh, feel free to remind me exactly what you remember Rafael saying about that. But but along with that, what is your what have been your impressions and your progress report on Usman Garuba in uh, your two? I was going to say I was going to call him a rookie. You're two at the All-Star break. I mean, he didn't really play at all as a rookie. He didn't True, play much. Fair, in the fair, fair. Just, just the injuries just uh, murdered his entire season. But Rafael Stone said that he was the best player. He was the best defender in the world, not playing in the NBA. That's what they said about him when they drafted him, um, what, 18 months ago now. And he's lived up to it defensively. I mean, defensively, he is very, very good. For a guy who is is 6'8", you know, he did a great job against Joel Embiid on Monday in Philadelphia. Um, Embiid couldn't get a shot up against him. And I think that Embiid might have – I think he scored 23 against the Rockets on Monday night. I believe only two, maybe four of those points came when uh, – when Garuba was the was defending him and, and those just came on uh, on free throws. But uh, 
forced a couple turnovers. Like he, he's in the right place. He knows where to be. Uh, he's very switchable, so he allows you to play a lot of different ways. You've seen them. You know, he's been switched on to some of the best scorers in the entire league, whether it was Steph Curry, whether it was uh, Luka Doncic, and he's been able to hold his own, and that's important. Like So he can hang on that end of the floor. The question is the offensive end of the floor, and that hasn't been very good. And I don't think anyone was necessarily expecting for it to be good, but the hands aren't very good. Uh, he, he's not much of a threat really from any spot on the floor, but he has actually shot the ball well from three. He just doesn't take very many shots. You know, he's what, let me see. He's 47% from three, but you know, for the season, he has taken a total of 32 shots. So when it's there, when he takes the shot, it goes in a lot of times, but he's just got to continue to develop that offensive game and understand how to fit into an offense. When I remember when they sent him to the G league last year, um, Steven Silas was asked, you know, what are you looking for from him? What are you hoping that he's able to, to do in the G League? And he said it, it wasn't about like, hey, we want him to develop a post game. We want him to develop his jump shot. We want him to, you know, develop a pick and pop game. No, it was about understanding. We want you to learn how you can best fit into an offense. And I think that he still needs to continue to do that. But, you know, he, he's a smart player. He knows where to be. The defense is legit. It's just that if you're in a stretch where you need offense, he's not going to help. He's not much of a help. And so you've seen it these last couple of games when they've been behind, they've gone to Frank Kaminsky in the second half of these games over Garuba because they need some sort of offense and Garuba just doesn't give you that. Now that doesn't mean it won't happen somewhere down the road, but that's really what his focus has to be. It's just continue to get better on the offensive end of the floor because defensively he's going to be able to play in the league for a long time. <laughs> Bad job by me, man. I actually totally forget. And I was watching when Frank Kaminsky came in. And I remember being a little bit uh, – and, and sorry, Craig Ackerman and uh, Ryan Hollins. I doubt you guys listened, but if you do. Um, but I was a little bit disappointed when they couldn't immediately recall that uh, that Sam Decker and Frank Kaminsky played together. Um, they they are – like, that. that's why I associate the two of them with. So uh, one with the other. Uh, you know, I know Sam Decker played here for a little while and all of that, but – them not being able to, to recall that uh, on the spot was a little bit disappointing from a basketball head standpoint. Uh, but time, a lot of time has passed. That's been a number of years ago. But when I was setting that up with the Garuba thing, I had totally forgotten about Frank Kaminsky being on this team. Um, and, and what you mentioned uh, that he's been the guy that they go to there in a spot where you would think they would go to Garuba or, or might have thought they would go to Garuba and have not. So, uh, Good job by you, bad job by me for totally forgetting about uh, forgetting all about Frank Kaminsky, Frank Kaminsky's existence on this team after the trade deadline because he's uh, definitely played these last couple of games. So there is that. That is the progress report for your younger players. I don't think we went through every single player, but for the most part, I think those are the high notes. Those are the players to be concerned about. Again, the Josh Christopher thing. Y'all can go back and check that previous episode. We talked about him. Uh, and have talked about him quite a bit as somebody who, hey, there's a there there, but it's hard to kind of really figure out exactly what it is. You know, a little bit of a tweener, um, not a point guard, not an explosive scorer, but can do a lot of really good things on the basketball floor. Um, I think we're all still trying to figure out exactly what his role is going to be on the team or what, what his, you know, what his trajectory is uh, and all of that. So um, so that's that. Enjoy the All-Star break, the All-Star game, uh, the All-Star festivities, or not. 
you know, if you want to just take a break and you're not in, I am somebody that is a little bit more into all-star-ness and all-star stuff in all of the sports than a lot of people are. I know it's kind of popular now to be like, oh, the all-star game sucks and the slam dunk contest needs stars in it and, you know, all of that kind of stuff. I'm not that guy. I can have a pretty good time with almost anything basketball related, so I am going to thoroughly enjoy myself. And I hope you guys do the same in whatever it is that y'all do. We will be back next week to see what these last 20 plus, how many more games we got, Adam? 24. 24. Damn it. Who's counting? These last, Who's counting? These, last, <laughs> these last 24 games in this dreadful rocket season that we have covered. What a season that we picked to, or that we were sort of hand chosen and hand picked to do a Rockets podcast, which we enjoy doing, but what a season for that to, to, to happen being one of the just all time nosedive types of seasons that the Rockets have had, but uh, wouldn't rather do it with anybody else. And I'm glad that you guys are here with us. Uh, make sure that you subscribe rate review and, and the rating and reviewing part. Obviously, if you're listening, you either subscribe or you follow us, you know, you figured out a way to find this podcast, but the rating and reviewing part is essential Really want to encourage you guys to continue to do that um, as best you can. So so do that. Spread the word. And uh, again, shout out to Austin Mendez for producing this bad boy. And until next time, y'all be good.